Okay, we are on Melachim Bey's parent above, Pasuk Aleph, Vayomru B'nei Hanavim El Elisha. And it is a pleasure to welcome everybody back from their Bein Hasmanim. And it's nice to all be back again. So, we start from Perak Vav, where we left off. And Perak Vav is most interesting because it is really three separate incidents, very divisible episodes, but with one common theme. And that is, we've stated it before, the theme of Elisha's prophecy, which is Nisim, miracles. No one has the amount of Nisim that Elisha performs. <coughs> Excuse me. And the question is why? We learned that when Eliyahu takes leave of this earth with El- before Elisha, he asks him, uh, as they're crossing the Yardane by Hika, Avram, this is going back to Malachim Bey's, uh, Perik uh, Bey's, Pasuk Tes, by Yika Avram Eliyahu Amar El Elisha, he says, Sha'al ma'aselach b'terem elakech mi'imcha. Ask me what you will of me before I am uh, taken from you. By Yomer Elisha, and Elisha answers, by Yehina pishnayim beruchacha elai. My request is a twofold bracha giving me of your ruach hakodesh. I should have twice the Ruach HaKodesh. <coughs> and the Mavarchim indicate he's asking to perform twice the miracles that Eliyahu performed. And as we're going to see, Eliyahu had performed eight Nisim. By the time we are concluded with Elisha, he will have performed 16 Nisim. And we're going to see that the Mephorshim keep track. The Malbin, the Abarbanel, count each nace, as they will in this parrot as well, and that his request had been granted. And the question we've asked and we must ask again is, what are the purpose of these nisim? We're going to see nisim <coughs> from the smallest, seemingly inconsequential act for an individual to gigantic Nisim performed on a national, international level. And what we have stated in the Mepharshim are very emphatic about is that a Nase, a miracle, as performed by a Novi, isn't a, a magic stunt. It's not a, a sound and light show. The performance of a nace has one purpose and one purpose alone. It's Kiddush Hashem, the sanctification of God's name. In other words, through that, we are demonstrating that there is a single unity, a divinity that absolutely controls every aspect of our lives, from the smallest to the largest. 
It controls nature. It controls behavior. And we have to recognize this as an act of Kiddush Hashem. So, we begin with Perek Bav, Pasach Aleph, Vayomru B'nei HaNabiyim El Elisha. They say to Elisha, Hine Naha Makom Asher Anachnu Yoshim Shom Lepovnecha Tsar Mimenu. The base Hamidrash that we are learning in, Elisha, has grown too small. We need a bigger base Hamidrash. What is this about? Say the Mephoshim, two things have happened really at the same time. One is that typically the villain Gehazi, who has now been removed and has a terrible case of Tsaras, was blocking students from coming to the base measures. He was absolutely at the entranceway, blocking, preventing their entrance, and now he has been removed. They didn't like him, and now they are freed from his overbearing uh, presence and his blockading of them, as it were. And two, Elisha's fame has now spread to such a degree after the miracle of Naaman, uh, etc., that people are flocking to him. Interestingly enough, the Medrash, we learned in the Gemara, beautiful Agadata in Tanis, where Rabbi Gamliel, when he was deposed as head of the Sanhedrin, um, they had to widen the base Hamedrash. Why? Because he too kept students out. <coughs> but he kept them out, not because of any vindictiveness, but because he had a belief that he wanted the best qualitative students. Toho Kibaro. In other words, they not only had to master, as it were, the intricacies of Torah, but they had to be the type of student that their intensity and their internalization warranted. No such extenuating circumstances with Gehazi. Gehazi was bad, he was evil, he only kept them out, not because he wanted to ensure a high quality of Talmud, because he wanted to be the Talmud. He wanted no competition. So now, Elisha, with his newfound fame, it's time for a larger, as it were, base measure. So Pusik Bays. Student says to him, let's go to the Jordan. We each will take one beam, as it were. We will build our own base measures by the Yardin. And uh, says Elisha, go. You start the project, the building, etc. Why the Yardin? Simple. These are um, young students of Elisha who want to be trained in Nebuchadnezzar. When they've seen the Yardin is a magical, mystical place, it's where Naaman, it's where Eliyahu left in a chariot of fire. <coughs> and they feel this will strengthen their power of Nebuchadnezzar. So he says, go. And one of them says, 
Hoel, no, no, no. You come with us, with your servants, and Elisha says, okay, I will go. Interestingly, the Medrash tells us who is this Talmud that speaks up and says, come, no, you come with us, you will build it with us. It is Yonah, the famous prophet Yonah ben Amitai, who was a student of Elisha. He goes with them by Yardena. He comes to the Jordan by Yigzaru Ha'etzin. They cut down trees to start their building. By Echad, and one of them, and we think this is Yonah again. Mapil Hakorov Es Habazel Nafal El Hamayim by Yitzach by Yomer Aha Adoni Vahushal. Interesting. He is hammering away with an axe, and the blade comes off the axe and falls into the yarding, sinking. By Yitzah, he cries out, and he is distraught. Why? One, the metal of the axe was a very expensive instrument. But two, as he says, Zeshaul, he had asked it, it is borrowed. It's not his axe. And as Radak says, and I quote, If it were my axe blade, I wouldn't be that worried. I had asked it, I had borrowed it, and now I've got to pay it back. And quite frankly, I don't have the money. Where, where did this axe blade fall? He shows him the place. Eliyahu cuts a branch. He throws it into the water. And the axe blade rises to the top. And he tells him, Take it. And the student takes it and retrieves the axe blade. What is happening here? Elisha quite simply is performing a miracle to retrieve a nace, to retrieve a single student's lost blade to save him the expense of having to pay it back. So the question is how he does it. Some say he carves a new wooden handle, throws it in, it goes down and it merges with the uh, blade itself and up comes the axe with a new handle. Others say it is the miracle because the wood floats, but this time it sinks. The barzel sinks, but this time it floats. He does a complete reversal of Teva. Other Mepharshim say very neatly that this is Yonah was the uh, Talmud. And of course, we know that Yonah descends into the belly of the sea and again rises. But other Mepharshim say this is just too neat an interpretation. But in any case, we see the magnitude of the miracle he does for a single individual. Now, second and unrelated. Umelech Aram, and by the way, the um, Abarbanel says this is the 12th of what will eventually be 16 Nisim that Elisha does. 
Umelech Aram Hayod Nilcham Yisrael, and the king of Aram, Hadad, fights with B'nai Yisrael. We see that he continues to, you know, send these marauding groups in there to pillage and loot and kidnap. And it's really inexplicable when you think of it. This man has witnessed the miracle of his top general, Naaman, how he's cured of Saras. He was the one that insisted Naaman goes. He arms him with the money, the gold, the presents for Elisha, the change of clothes. He's seen the miracle, and yet he's going to continue to fight with Israel. Very short-sighted. And he counsels with his servants and his army. I am going to lay an ambush. At Plony Almoni, we use that term as uh, here or there without being descriptive. We see that term in, in Rus when uh, Boaz wants to redeem Rus as uh, his wife, he has to go to the Goel, the one person who has priority over him because of his relationship. And they call him Plony Almoni. They don't even give it's like John Doe. Plony Almoni is a vague place where you don't reveal the name. By Yishlach Ish Elohim El Melech Yisrael, Elisha certainly learns of this, and he sends to Yehoram, Interestingly, they do not refer to him as Yehoram, they say Melech Yisrael, and they do not refer Yisraelokim as Elisha, probably because of the animosity they both have to each other. They don't even use their proper names. But he has an obligation as a Navi to protect the king of Israel from being killed. So he says, He shamer me'avor ha'makam hazeh. Be careful not to go near this place, Plony Almoni. Kisham Aram Nachtim. Aram is waiting in siege to protect you in ambush. By Yishlach Melech Yisrael HaMakom Asher Amalo Yishelohim, his hero, Vinishmar Shom. He avoids it. Loachas Belostayim. This doesn't happen once, it doesn't happen twice. Um, the king of Aram keeps laying ambush traps each time Elisha notifies Yehoram, each time Yehoram avoids it. He is furious, Hadad, king of Aram, about each ambush. It is strategically foiled, and he has, comes up with the inescapable conclusion by there is a fifth column here. We have a traitor in our midst. How does he know the king each time where I am lying in wait? And one of Yehoram's servants speak up. This is the case. He is Elisha. Who Yagid Lamelech Yisrael is Hadvarim Asher Tidaber Bechadar Mishkavecha. Interesting turn of phrase. He can tell literally Bechadar Mishkavecha what you say in your bedroom. It's not that he has to, you know, that there is a fifth 
column here or a, a traitor. He knows what you're saying, where you're saying, what you're saying. And so Yehoram is, I mean, there's no other word, but this is a very, I don't want to use the word stupid, but foolish move on his part. He says, let's go, and we are going to capture him. He, we're going to surprise him. They tell him, he, Elisha, is in the town of Joson. Joson, you will remember, that's to say when Yosef goes looking for his brothers, uh, they tell him that they've gone to Joson. So, he sends an army, Yoram. Horses, chariots, soldiers. And they come to Dosan at night and they surround the city. Now, point is, if Elisha knows where he is hiding and where Yehoram is and where this one, you don't think he knows that there's an army coming to capture him? But that's the... the um, just the foolishness of the man's refusal to realize that it is Hashem that is directing this all. So one of the servants of Elisha gets up, he sees the city of Dosan ring with sus and rechab and chariots, and he panics. He really loses it. Adoni what are we going to do? Now, of course, he should know better, this servant of Elisha, that the Kaddish Baruch Hu is with Elisha. By Yomer and Elisha says, Al Tirab, Jum There are more with us than there are with them. By Elisha, by Yomer Hashem, and Elisha prays to the Kaddish Baruch Hu, Pukach Es Open this hysterical evid of mine, his eyes, and let him see. He sees on the mountain range in front of him the filled. There are chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. In other words, this is the protection nobody sees, but I'm opening up your eyes that you see it so that you know the extent of the protection, of divine protection for Elisha. And so we see it's a miracle. Elisha does this miracle just as he does retrieving the axe blade for a single guy who's facing a monetary loss. He opens this panicky guy's eyes to show, don't worry, this chariot, he gives him an insight into the actual miracle and the divine protection afforded to Elisha. And he prays to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. He asked God to strike these people of Yehoram with blindness. And they are stricken with blindness. Remember, this was this blindness, as this term is used with Anshe Stone, the people. So the Sanbeirim, it could mean literally blindness. They are blind, they can't see. 
Many Mephorshim say no. It's not a blindness. On the contrary, they see. They don't know what they're seeing. They have no ability to connect what they're actually seeing to what it is. Some say it's a brilliant ray of light that strikes their eyes. Some say they see, but they don't know where they are. By Yachim the Sunder and Kibran, they are stricken with blindness. By Yomer Aleim Elisha Loze Haderech, and he tells them in their blindness, this isn't the way the Loze Ha'ir, it's a very famous expression, Loze Haderech, Loze Ha'ir, Luchu Achari, Acharai, follow me. I'm going to lead you to the man you are seeking. And he leads them right into Shomron. That's the capital city of Israel. They are now trapped in, in, in Shomron. Shomron, 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 let them open their eyes, let them see where they are. They see they're right in the middle, they've been led right in the middle of Shomom. Very strange. So now Yehoram says, he's gotten these prisoners that were out to kill him just two minutes ago, and he says, um, should I kill them, my father? Suddenly, this man is vacillated from a total non-believer, a disrespecter of Elijah, says, my father, give me the permission, shall I, in fact, kill them? It shows all the divided souls of the kings of Israel, that they, they basically had a year of Shemayim, but they were just led astray. So it is with Yehovah. So may I kill them? And Avi, he says, my father, by Yomer lo sarkeh, you shall not kill them. Hasher shabisa b'charbacha u'b'chashtacha atomake. Have you captured them yourself by might of your sword? Uh, and now you want to kill them? No. Sim lechem v'mayim l'tneim. Give them bread. Give them water. By yochlu, not only just basic bread and water. Let them eat. Let by yishtu, let them drink. By yechlu al adonayim, let them go back to Aram. They make a giant feast for these prisoners of war. And now, there is now peace where these vigilante groups do not cross the border from Aram and into B'nai Yisrael, and just when you think that the hostilities of Aram and B'nai Yisrael have ended and we are at peace, 845 next year, you will see there is full-scale war. Ad come.